right, Inappropriate Earl is back after uh, Montreal Just for Laughs, Roast Battle, Comedy Central. It was a real all-timer, so sorry about the uh, delay in uh, podcast, but uh, for once I had a working gig, <laughs> so I wasn't sure how to deal with that pressure. Uh, but today, speaking of Roast Battle, we have a great comic and uh, one of the elite roasters, a top 10 roaster, and uh, I'm going to say his name now so I don't butcher it later. Uh, he's a great dude, super nice guy, but an assassin uh, <laughs> when it comes to Roast Battle. Please, uh, guys, the best. put your hands together for Toby Morishanu. Thank you. I'm like pretending I hear the applause. <laughs> and Morishanu doesn't sound like a tough name, but it's spelt uh, like, you know, it could be <laughs> several... Uh, Oh, it's a gauntlet. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of vowels in there. It's uh, Romanian, actually, so it's uh, like probably two thirds vowels. My own my entire name is every vowel in the alphabet and Y. Well, uh, I'm happy to have you here. We had a few uh, kicks at the can of getting you here, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I haven't had a paying gig in a while, so I wasn't sure how to. <laughs> Quite schedule. Well, he says he has an editing gig, but yeah, like two or three times, you you got some paying work, and so we had to push it back, which is fine, you know, totally. But um, yeah, I mean, I think he's working more than he lets on. It's funny how you can go sixteen years with virtually nothing, <laughs> and then uh, within two weeks, you're like, you know, when it rains, it pours. You know, absolutely, it's r rains roast battle dollars, mm -hmm. uh, and you've got a. Uh, yeah, well, you're. I knew you as a comic first. Yeah, uh, years ago. Yeah, uh, where, where did we meet? I was trying to figure that out. In L.A., I actually, after I graduated college, I moved to L.A. briefly to take an internship. And uh, so I did an internship at National Lampoon Radio. And then after three months, I'd, the entire time I'd had a job offer waiting for me working at Microsoft up in Seattle. But I was like, well, maybe if I move to L.A. and fall in love with this internship and it leads to a job, I'll just stay in L.A. And the internship was a disaster. <laughs> and I was like, nah, I think I'm going to take that job. Why was it a disaster? Uh, it was just kind of like the guy who ran it was just irresponsible. Like they said, like when they offered it to me, like, oh, yeah, it'll be paid. We'll have all this stuff for you to do. It'll be awesome. And I kept pressing them for details. And they're like, I'll oh, just come out here. We'll sort it out. Don't worry about it. And I was naive. I, this is my first job after college. So I was like, well, sure. They know what they're doing. So I went out and said hello. And they're like, oh, you're here. Oh, did, did Ken tell you you were getting paid? Oh, God, Ken. You know, and I was like, oh. So I, I was getting no money. Um, and the work was just kind of like whatever scraps people had off their plate and you know which is fine but it's like it, it was just really disorganized and it was just clearly pointless for me to be there and the uh, the station didn't stick around for very long or anything like that well welcome to hollywood <laughs> yeah it's a uh it's just hollywood itself and the uh, surrounding uh jobs you have to take to keep your dream going can be uh, a tough road to climb yeah but here we are Absolutely. 2016. I do like your your pink knuckle duster, by the way. These are, by the way, I have uh, I, I think I have four sponsors now on Inappropriate Earl. Uh, mm -hmm. These are one of them. The great singer from Rat, mm -hmm. uh, Stephen Piercy. He has a company called Mike Knuckles. <laughs> and uh, for you comics or rock and rollers out there who want to look a little cooler than you do already, go to at Mike Knuckles on Twitter 
and uh i have the uh pink uh pink model with the little diamonds yeah on the yeah, i like to get the plugs it's out of the like, way the it's like a riot girl kind of a uh appeal yeah they're like uh basically brass knuckles but they hold uh, your microphone in place mm-hmm. and uh are they functional or purely aesthetic I mean, they do help you hold the mic a little better. Uh, you know, you just grip mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, he's got like, you know, a hundred different uh, models and sizes and whatnot. So if you have small hands, you know, if you're a lady, you've got those. And, uh, you know, it's been a big week in the world of rat <laughs> for uh, in 2016. You'd never thought you'd hear that. Uh, but uh, the surviving three members of rat uh, uh, working on some projects, which has me excited because that's my favorite band nice. and uh have you have you ever even heard of rat no i haven't Jeez. i'm playing along how old are you <laughs> i'm 32 32 so when were you born in my man 1984 that was the, their debut album out of the oh, cellar no. you really missed out year on. of the rat interesting yeah, absolutely uh you're holding a microphone that the singer from rat really has touched I'm, it's an honor. And the drummer from Rat has told me to fuck off and he wouldn't come on my podcast. So <laughs> it's a tough business. It's not as easy as you think getting guests on this podcast. Really? You know, people are basically like, who are you? Mm-hmm. And uh, I get that. I'm, uh, but you got some listeners, right? You got sponsors. I, I got four sponsors. Uh, you know, we got ProStockHockey.com. If nice. for you uh, hockey players out there who need some gear. We've got uh, Beverly Kills Clothing Company, and uh, who was the fourth sponsor? I forget the fourth sponsor, but I'm, uh, they'll figure it out. <laughs> They're probably not listening anyway. And then, uh, you know, I'm like the unofficial podcast of Roast Battle. Nice. Because I have so many people uh, from the show on, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Olivia Grace, uh, Leah K. Janian, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Dosh. Nice. Uh, you. Hitters. I mean, and then me. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you are, uh, you know, Roast Battle, uh, I think, really suits your uh, your sniper-like precision. Thank you. Because you're so quiet and yeah. uh, humble and, uh, you know, just you fly under the radar. Yeah, I guess that's accurate. I, it's funny to hear people uh talk about me in those terms because i get that a lot well people will say similar things to me about my roast battle persona and to me it's not only is it just not something i'm aware of but it's something i actively don't try to do like i try to be like bigger on stage than i'm in stand-up and stuff like that and still that's how it comes across but it's funny because you know you you just get you're invisible to yourself to some extent when you're when you're in it and it's just funny to see yourself or hear about yourself for, through other people's eyes and have it be not only something people tell you but also something people make fun of you directly on stage for yeah i mean it's brutal uh to yeah for me it helps me step out of my comfort zone and mm. you know i don't really like being made fun of uh really i'm sensitive you know it's funny someone was saying that some of the I think it was Adam Carolla's podcast. They were saying that like, like Jeff Ross is actually very sensitive. Oh yeah. Sarah Silverman, like, and some of the best roasters are also very sensitive, but I, and I feel like I'm somewhat sensitive, but I think maybe it's because you know how you can be hurt that you know how to hurt other people. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I you mean, know what angles to go for, how to get under people's skin. Um, and I think I do have like an underlying 
hostility <laughs> that doesn't come out of me every time in everyday life. So it's like a way to let some venom out in a, a safe way. Well, comedy will do that to you. Yeah. Uh, it will seep out your anger and hostility and, and roast battle is like the perfect show for that. Perfect. Cause you yeah. can really, uh, but I'll only battle people I like. So, mm -hmm. uh, which was what was great about uh roast battle in Montreal was, I loved everyone in that tournament. Yeah. So, like, to be shit on by, you know, Sarah Tiana, mm -hmm. K. Trevor Wilson, who's just yeah. like, the, he's like a bigger version of you. Like, he's just so <laughs> nice and like, and he was then, great. Yeah, oh, he's tough, man. I mean, he he's uh, cause he he's almost like a male version of Olivia. You know, where she knows what you're gonna make fun of on her. Mm -hmm. It has does he? And he just go, all right. What else you got? I'm fat. Yeah you know you're ugly so uh and then you know mike lawrence is like the sweetest nicest guy um <laughs> i remember him like at one point and i've known him for a, a fair amount of years but i had one battle in my roast battle history which i utterly tanked you know which one uh, uh against leah kj she's tough she's tough legitimately like i'm not saying like she did a great job right but I also tanked, you know, I don't know if I would have won if I hadn't tanked, but I tanked, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, I remember I'm only bringing it up because, uh, uh, Mike Lawrence was making fun of me from the judges stage. And I remember just afterwards, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. It's roast battle, you know? Yeah. But it I was mean, funny because it's like, it's part of him, but it's not, it's still not who he is overall. You know what I mean? He's oh, such he's a nice guy overall. Like the greatest guy and like, to see, uh, you know, for the live finale, you had to write for three people. Yeah, was, that, uh, I was wondering how that was going to work. You see, just and you had a day to do it, really. A or, day, I mean, a little over a day, but not, you know, uh, like Friday night were the semifinals, uh -huh. and then uh, so uh, you know after the Friday show, you knew who the final four were. Mm -hmm. So you had to write uh, basically three sets mm -hmm. for. Uh, you know, the one for who you're battling and then for the other two because you didn't know who was going to win, so you yeah. had to write for both. And uh, to see all of our faces, like, that Sunday night when we all got there, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Mike Lawrence just looked, uh, he said it best, he looked like the guy at the end of Indiana Jones. <laughs> His face was melting. And, uh, <laughs> was he just, like, up all night writing or yeah, something? Yeah, we all were. Like, wow. I didn't I didn't leave my room for 24 hours. Wow. Because, uh, you know, you're writing against not just three people, but three elite level roasters, yeah, uh, and you know it's TV, yeah, quality it's jokes, yeah, and you're gonna be. It's not like you're just saying them in the belly room. Yeah. You're saying them millions. to a worldwide audience, literally, you know, millions. And something that will live on a website, you know, forever, accessible forever. Uh, yeah, and so the, the pressure was just. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I could do it again, you, mm. you know, but I want to try because I want that goddamn trophy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, no, it was, you know, a great trophy with the skull in the middle and the mics crossing. and uh, oh, That's awesome, man. Uh, but it was fun. And, uh, you know, so I, I don't know what the uh, future of the show is in terms mm -hmm. of, uh, I, I could see them having it every year. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know Yo Mama went like six seasons. Mm -hmm. And if Yo, not that Yo Mama was bad, but I think this is much more uh, skilled. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, totally. You're writing. And Plus, I mean, it's Comedy Central. It's more of a natural fit than 
Yeah, your mom I mean, was on MTV, right? Yeah, and, I mean, I I never really, but George Perez, a uh, great roaster. He uh, he won, I think, the first season of Yo Mama. Oh, did he? Yeah, I didn't know that. So uh, that's awesome. But there's so many uh, great roasters in LA mm -hmm. alone. I could see this show having a nice uh, shelf life. Mm -hmm. um, yes, yeah, and it's worldwide too. It is. There's so many roast battle shows, like from Australia to. To South Africa, to Boston, to, you know, Portland's, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, uh, there's a lot of them. I think uh, Chicago has a good uh, roasting scene. Uh, New York, you knew would. Uh, yeah, New York, obviously. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean, I would say LA and New York, probably the deepest pool of uh, roasters. I mean, it's always going to be that way, I think. But yeah. like... But I mean, it's cool that you're just using the words of roasting scene, you know? I mean, like, yeah. there are you're going to see, you know, some great roasters coming out of, you know, of those towns of Boston, Chicago. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, and I mean, at the top 30 in LA, it's like, yeah, I could see number 30 beating number one, you know, just if, if mm -hmm. the right situation, uh, mm -hmm. you know, were to uh, attain itself. And there's some, a lot of good unranked roasters who, mm -hmm. you know, just are just starting out. So the show has a future for sure. Any given Sunday, you know, someone in that top 30 can make a strike, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, uh, what are you, number nine, I think? I have, I don't know if I've seen the latest ones. I, w I think I was 10 in the last one that I saw, but I don't, I don't and I haven't battled since then. But yeah, I mean, it's, sometimes it moves around as people leapfrog you or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's, fall I, out. I think the ratings are based on how often you do it. Like uh, Partially. You have to, I think you, it's sort of like power rankings. Like, it's not like a ladder where... You know, you just challenge someone and then you take their spot or right. whatever. It's more just basically it's kind of subjective and it's always going to be that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's a, they, uh, they do a pretty good job of uh, being uh, impartial. Yeah. Because uh, I think they have several roasters who mm -hmm. uh, do the rankings and, uh, you know, there's not too much favoritism. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, don't know. You know I, mean, I mean, I think it and I think we're also at a point where. What, you know, like you say, there's even good unranked roasters. Like if you're ranked and especially if you're in the top 30, you know, you're real deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, just someone like, say, Doug Fager, who's mm -hmm. uh, you had a legendary uh, battle. With, yeah, uh, that was a blast. You know, he's in the top 20, but he could beat anybody. Uh, yeah, yeah. He'd be Leah, you know, and a great battle against Leah. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, your guys' battle was great because uh, to me, you're two similar like personalities. Like you're mm -hmm. both kind of quiet, and you know, everyone loves you guys. So Doug's quiet. <laughs> I don't know that. Well, I mean, uh, for the, I mean, he's humble, I guess. So maybe not quiet. Yeah, I don't know about that. He's got a kind of a swagger about him. I think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when he that's what I love about roast battle is like as soon as you step on that stage, whatever your persona is, like you know, I'm you know, the pro wrestler guy. And yeah, you know, I don't act like that in real life, you know, <laughs> some, you on the podcast didn't see the pyrotechnics <laughs> when it's, yeah. I mean, I had, uh, well, I would have, uh, in Montreal, I was asking the producers, Hey, what can I get away with? Can I come yeah. down from the ceiling? That was uh, so great. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I love that spectacle to it. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I'm was probably the weakest roast writer out of the 16, uh, contestants. Oh, I, like so. oh, I admit to that. You know, I'm, uh, I'm more, Oh, you can admit to it, quote unquote. I don't agree with it. I'm about the show. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, uh, if I were to ever battle you, there's no way I could just sit there and go joke for joke with you. Uh, you know, I'd have to come out with the wacky entrance mm -hmm. and, 
you know, the kiss style theatrics and uh, just, you know, but there's also like, there's something about you when you go on with that, that is special because you have that intro and you own it, but you also let it become your persona. Like I've seen a lot of people go on with a special intro, you know, and maybe it gets a laugh, maybe it kind of falls flat, but it doesn't, they don't sustain that momentum into the battle. Right. Well, I mean, I try and make it hard on my opponent. Like, you know, when you go up there, it's Toby, you know, yeah. and people wrote Toby jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I go up there, you know, I mean, in the physical sense, it's Earl on that stage, <laughs> but it's not, you know, it's a, it's the character. So it's, it's kind of cheating, yeah. I guess. I don't think it's cheating. I, I think people love it. It's uh, and it's fun. I mean, it's not like you, you know, I mean, people take roasting seriously and it's, it's good, but you also need to, I mean, if, if there's anything you shouldn't let yourself take too seriously, it's this cause it's the competition is, I mean, you're knocking down people who take themselves too seriously. Yeah. I, I, yeah. But I wanted to win, you know, Montreal. Mm-hmm. I'm bummed out I didn't win. But, uh, you know, you're right. At the end of the day, it, you know, it's for me, I guess the main thing was I didn't bomb on live TV. Yeah. Even though I did call Jeff Ross a fag. Uh, was that not allowed? Because I remember he mentioned live TV after that. Well, uh, you know, uh, they, Comedy Central was great. They let us do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we would have to send them our, our jokes. Uh you know, about a couple hours before the battle and we got notes on, Hey, you can't say this. You can't say that. Um, I know when I, uh, battled Tom Ballard, who, uh, he's an amazing, uh, roaster from Australia. Mm-hmm. He's gay. So, you know, I had a couple jokes that might've involved the word come, uh, uh and they were like, you can't say come. Really? There were can... a lot of, it seems like there were a lot of come jokes up from throughout that tournament. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought, but they were like, well, you can't say come. But you can say jizz, which I don't understand the difference. But, uh, you know, it's the same, you know, visual yeah. for the most part. But, uh, I mean, it was... Let's keep it clean. Say jizz. Yeah, you know. Uh, come <laughs> You're jizzing in his asshole. Yeah, well, yeah. His rectum. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tom had a full joke about how big his asshole was. And, yeah. Uh, so, uh, it was uh I love that joke you did about how when he gets fucked in the ass, he'll peel it the next morning. Yeah, uh, you know, because he's so good, and you know, a lot of people thought he should have won last year because he, oh, yeah. uh, you know, against Jimmy Carr, uh, mm-hmm. a fair amount of people thought he beat Jimmy, and Jimmy's mm-hmm. like uh, unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you beat Jimmy. You know, it was uh, a controversial win mm-hmm. because he probably had better jokes, mm-hmm. but the Jimmy Kimmel and Seth Rogen uh, took away he- or penalized him heavily for uh basically reading uh mm-hmm. from his uh clipboard a clipboard which by the way was that was one of my favorite moments of the tournament when he walked on stage with the clipboard <laughs> and said i don't need this i don't need this shit you <laughs> jimmy bitch uh <laughs> i had to get into his head because he's he is as close to being unbeatable as you can uh, be uh mm-hmm. but i thought if i call him out on the clipboard um the judges are going to be like yeah one's memorizing his set the other isn't it's kind of not unfair but it's uh at least uh and i got a lot of hate mail uh really uh jimmy's fans really oh it's brutal (laughs) i love to see that oh it's brutal Uh, really uh, you fucking suck jimmy kicked your ass Uh you fucking had it rigged and it's like had it rigged he won it last year how do you i mean the fact that he lost shows you it's not rigged. Yeah. Uh, because don't you think 
They'd want the bigger stars to. Oh, he's be absolutely on bigger than me. He has seven million Twitter. He's bigger followers. than anyone in the tournament by far, including so, a lot of the judges. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't uh, subscribe to Jimmy's fans thinking that I basically paid off Jimmy Kimmel and Seth Rogen. You know, uh, it, it I guess <laughs> stirs the argument. Is it because uh, I know in the L.A. roast battle, uh, contestants are heavily encouraged to not read, to not have notes, phones. Uh, and Jimmy uh, brings out his, uh, you know, uh, literature. <laughs> uh, and so it's, it's. I don't think people get that how we do it in LA is, is uh, no notes. Well, I think it's, it's interesting also because I was going to ask you about this. There isn't sort of a standard format to it. And you saw that a bit on the in the in the tournament but like for example in new york people will go and they'll do like three jokes kind of in succession and that's their turn and in la it's one joke maybe a rebuttal maybe a short oh you you know stupid looking person blah blah, blah. and then right. you just do the and then you do your main joke like mike lawrence does that a lot like he'll make fun of how they look by you know doing some celebrity name what like zach hackron yeah yeah hack efron right right, right yeah right. yeah Listen, hack Efron, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't, there didn't seem to be consistency. Like some people were like, oh, I'll do three jokes. And other people were doing the LA style where it's one big joke, maybe two. And, uh, and similarly in New York, people use notes a lot and LA people don't. So I was curious if they offered any guidance or, you know, whether they will in the future in well, terms of saying like, this is how much many jokes you get. And this is what you should do. I mean, I know in the live finale, they knew we were all fried uh, mm -hmm. because, uh, the, you know, and I don't know if it'll be different next year. Or, I mean, I, I mean, Comedy Central was awesome. I mm -hmm. mean, they, they let us do anything we wanted. Nothing yeah. was, uh, you know, they told us like the three or four definite words. Hey, you can't yeah. say, you know, uh, I think cunt was one of them, uh -huh. and, uh, <laughs> which was one of the jokes I used against Jimmy. Um, <laughs> But I know for the but he's British, so it's fine. Yeah, I know, and he like you know, he Jimmy's super, super cool, and he was yeah. you know, uh, he's an awesome, just a great guy. Uh, he's like the UK Russell Peters, where he's so nice, and mm -hmm. and then man, he gets on roasting mode, and it's like he's tough, man, you know. But uh, the Comedy Central was like, do you guys want to bring notes on stage? Do you want? They even offered us a teleprompter oh, wow. with our jokes, and uh, you know, I probably would have. Uh, I mean, that would have been cool to read your jokes off a teleprompter. Hey, um, Kay Trevor, you are a <laughs> uh, big bastard. But then, then I, it hit me, well, Kay Trevor's going to see that. Uh -huh, so, yeah. uh, but I don't know. I mean, it, there are no really, I guess, enforced rules. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but for some reason, Jimmy and Seth Rogen were like, uh, one's reading, one isn't, even though the one reading is doing better. Mm-hmm. We're going to give it to Earl based on, in their minds, he's following the spirit of the show. Mm -hmm. So if you're Jimmy Carr fans out there, <laughs> uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't rigged. <laughs> I would say, like, I don't, if I was judging, I would maybe use the notes thing as a tiebreaker. I think overall, I don't like to see it, but I think it should be something that, what matters is the laughs more than anything. And then maybe originality second and stage presence third, because 
if I what I like, I mean, I like how you handle it. Like he uses his notes, but you get a great joke out of him using his notes. Oh, absolutely. So, so like if you can bust someone's balls for something they're doing, then that's the equalizer. That's the justice. Uh, you're giving them an opportunity in turn, as well as using a crutch. I mean, I would have been in big trouble if when I threw my notebook in the crowd, he would have thrown his in the crowd. I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> uh, but even Jimmy laughed at it mm-hmm. and he doesn't break often. Mm-hmm. He's very tough to, uh, um, and my thing is rebuttals, mm-hmm. uh, and he gives you no room for rebuttals, you know, mm-hmm. cause he does like two, three jokes and you know, it's like, wow, when do I squeeze in here? And, yeah. uh, but he's, he's great. So, I mean, sorry, Jimmy fans, <laughs> uh, please, uh. Just realize I had nothing to do with any decision. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think LA style is more w- one joke, maybe a rebuttal and, uh, New York. And I think a lot of the, uh, like Tom Ball- Ballard, the Australian comic, I went up uh, first round, they do longer form. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I guess there's no, uh, I mean, there's no rules, I guess, in terms of, like, what do you yeah. prefer to do? Do you like to do like maybe a rebuttal and then a joke, or do you like? Do you have a style? I like to just do one strong joke. Um, I would like to at some point challenge myself maybe to do like a battle in New York or a different place where I was trying to do more of the build. Right. I think though, like, I don't like when people will do three jokes in a row, but it's clearly just because the first joke didn't work. So they're trying to cover it up. Right. I think that looks kind of desperate. But if you can do three jokes in a row where they flow logically, then that's that's great to me. That's impressive. But I do feel like that there should be like some amount of standardization because I think it, it's awkward when one person does three, does three jokes and the other person does one joke. And it just th- puts the rhythm off a little bit. Like, I feel like it's like watching UFC where one guy's doing sumo wrestling and one guy's doing karate. You know, it's just like it doesn't quite match up in the same way. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like me and Jimmy on paper isn't a great matchup just because he's those two or three lines. I do one. And mm-hmm. even that one line is very quick. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost less than a one liner. Um but it was still an honor to go up against them. And you sure. know, uh, like me and Sarah Tiana was a little more like uh, flowing because yeah. she, she would do a joke. I would do a joke. And it was very yeah. uh, so. Uh, Both that know. way. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we know each other. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a couple of things I had about Jimmy. I, I didn't feel comfortable saying. Really? Uh, well, yeah. He has a situation with his dad where they don't uh, get along and. uh you know, that was one of my jokes. It was the joke that bombed on uh, TV. Um, uh, oh, yeah. I feel uh, like someone had a really good joke about his dad. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, it might have been. It wasn't me. I can tell you who it <laughs> wasn't. Uh, but I didn't explain the joke fully. I mean, looking back now, um, and uh, it literally the whole room went silent. So, uh, you know, uh, what can I do? You know, yeah. Live and learn. And uh to learn is there something in your glass uh yeah i was just gonna i was like i should <laughs> what's in there? it's just funny you gave me a glass of water but this is clearly like used for a protein shake or something because there's powder at the bottom oh shit <laughs> uh i washed that uh we, we uh well that's fine i don't care i'm just i just I'm like I, that's my mind like as a comic whenever something's fucked up you're just like can i get a joke out of this <laughs> right well uh, they're uh like oh i'm angry this is a uh, audio-only podcast. I gave Toby a, a glass of water, a clean glass, 
And uh, <laughs> I'll dispute that. <laughs> apparently, there is some protein residue. Uh, There's also some lip marks on one side. <laughs> really? They're like crusty lip marks. I don't know what you had in your mouth before you drank out of this. Uh, that might but, have been uh, a glass of a lady friend's. Oh, so. yeah. Some... Some old lipstick. Uh, uh, so, well, uh, Galicia got the ice uh, down the, the hatch. Uh, <laughs> so, so, well, I'll throw that glass out. Uh, okay. It's unwashable. It's okay. Uh, I'll just scrape my lips off with a razor blade. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm clean, so if that makes you feel any better. Okay. Well, if you get tested, I don't have to. Uh, well, you can't catch AIDS twice, so uh, <laughs> I don't get tested anymore. But uh, now let's talk about your comedy for a bit. Like, right. do you find that like uh, you know? Because I think people who roast and do comedy, some say the roasting affects their stand up, uh, and and some say it doesn't. Like for me, it's made me, I guess, a little more aggressive toward a crowd. Mm -hmm. Like if someone's heckling me, I'm more, uh, I guess, comfortable going, hey, buddy, uh, does it uh, help, hurt, or do nothing for your stand-up? I haven't used it in that, like dealing with a heckler sense, I don't think. But it is, I think, a muscle that you have. I've used it on Twitter once or twice where someone was being a dick and I just like was like... Crack the knuckles, <laughs> right. roasting time. Uh, so that's fun. I think it, it inspires you a little bit as a comic because when you know, I can write a hundred jokes about this one person who I didn't even know a week ago. Right. Like that means, like, hey, why can't I apply that same type of work ethic to writing jokes about this politics or current events or, or something that I do want to write stand up about? Um. And I think it helps you. And I think I kind of had this before a little bit because I was always kind of a tight one-liner writer. Even when I did like longer bits, there were usually one-liner, one-liner, one-liner just on a theme. Right. Um, so, but I think it does definitely improve your ability to uh, just write a really tight, concise, hard-hitting joke. Um, but I mean, I stand up, I think it, I would almost say stuff like that distracts from my stand up more than anything, because it's like when I write, wake up in the morning and I write, I'm like, well, could I write? I used to just write stand up. That was all I thought about was right. just writing stand up jokes that I could use in my act. And if I have a battle coming up, I'm waking out of bed, waking up, getting out of bed and thinking about writing roast jokes because um, I was right first thing in the morning. Uh, and so I think. And it, I also have other projects going on. I do a lot of political writing and social media jokes and stuff like that. So now I feel like I'm focusing less on stand-up, although I'm trying to get more disciplined about still uh, adding to it. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's a long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, that's good in the podcast world. But you're right, though. Like I try and write five topical jokes a day, and, mm -hmm. uh, and most of them are awful. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, Along you get that. Yeah, I mean, you that's why that. you can delete tweets. <laughs> yeah, I, I delete a lot of my tweets. Hey, this yeah. is funny. Trump is blah blah blah, and like, I can't put I can't put that out. <laughs> I can call Jeff Ross a fag on live TV, but uh, <laughs> I can't write that tweet uh, about, about Trump. Now Trump, you know, he's never had those jokes before. So I mean, he's, he, got a, he's a maniac. But he is uh, a maniac. yeah, you're right though. Like uh, I would say, the last probably two weeks, I haven't written one stand-up joke because you're so consumed with. Mm -hmm. you know okay what's funny about mike lawrence what's funny about mm -hmm. uh, you know uh, tony hinchcliffe and and every other roaster uh because you kind of had to write uh, now it's a 
special one-time tournament thing, but mm-hmm. you kind of had to look at all of the other 15 roasters and go, well, I might be facing them. I better mm-hmm. write one or two ideas on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Run is easy. Uh, here's a 9-11 joke. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but you have a battle coming up with Dan Nolan, who, who is... Yeah, the, that's uh, my next battle in LA. And that's uh, this ch- upcoming Tuesday, August 9th? August 9th, yeah. Um, so when you woke up this morning... Well, let's not use today, because uh, I'm sure you had Earl's podcast on your mind. <laughs> uh, talking about myself in the third person. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when you woke up uh, yesterday... Mm-hmm. You know, instead of thinking about, you know, a topical joke or political joke, does your mind go right to Dan Nolan? Yeah. Uh, I get out of bed and what I try to do first thing is spend 15 minutes. I uh, spend an hour writing, but I break it up into 15 minute chunks because I'm that anal. <laughs> right. Uh, but the first thing I do is roast jokes if I got a battle coming up. And it's Dan Nolan. I got two battles coming up. Uh, Dan Nolan and Nat Baymel. Nat is in Temecula, which is a little, you know, it's not, I mean, it's an exhibition match, you know, so it's not as, uh, high you know, stakes. It's not as high stakes. So I'm focusing more on Dan jokes, but also there's that anxiety about having to battle someone in three days that comes along with battling that because it's, so that's pro- this Thursday. That's this, th- it's tomorrow. So, um, you know, it'll probably be over by the time the podcast airs, but like, you know, there's some sense of immediacy that, I mean, cause I feel like, with stand-up, it's like I'm creative, you know, so I like writing jokes. It's fun. But with roasting, there's that element of danger, of fear. Like I feel like I'm going to have to fight someone. My back's going to be against the wall. I better not look like an idiot. I better not get embarrassed. And I got to, you know, it's I got to hit the gym with that in mind, so to speak. Um, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, th- there is that element of fear of uh, I don't know what it's like in Temecula, but uh you know, in the belly room, especially, it's like uh, I think people love a good battle, mm-hmm. uh, like you and Doug, all timer. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks, but they also don't necessarily mind if one's bombing because mm-hmm. it uh, gives you the crowd anyway, like pro wrestling vibe of hey, we can involve ourselves yeah. now and you know, uh, letting out their frustrations. And I think that was part of like, actually when I tanked that Leah battle, that was part of it was just, I made, and I was very confident going in. I had been running my jokes. They all seemed to be hitting. Uh, and I made a mistake and then I took a risk I shouldn't have right up top. Which was what? Uh, the first one I'd been, I'd been working with two different wordings on this one joke and one wasn't working as well at open mics, but the other one was a little meaner. And so I decided to go with the one that was working better. And then for some reason in the moment, I just did the one that was, wasn't as good and right. it, it, it uh, didn't hit. And then instead of doing my second joke, I did, I tried to do a rebuttal to one of her jokes, which I knew my rebuttals aren't my strong suit. You know, I knew the joke wasn't as good as the other ones that I'd picked for that battle, but I thought because it was rebuttal, maybe it would go over better and it, it, it didn't. So like basically my first two jokes just clanked and third one got like uh, a little bit of something but not like you know it didn't bomb but i clearly lost the first round and then i felt like the audience really turned on me and it was just like rooting for me to fail you know and that was the first time i'd had that experience in the belly room but like you know people would like 
the way they were cheering on Leah, it wasn't just like, we love Leah. It was like, we want you to lose, right. <laughs> you know? So they, they like, can turn on you uh, yeah. very fast. Uh, they've turned on me a few times. And, yeah. uh, but I think it's tougher when you're a guy versus a girl. Uh, there was that dynamic too. Like you heard a lot, a lot of people who were like screaming for it were like women, you know? Yeah. Because it's, you know, um, like when I went up against Olivia Grace, mm -hmm. you know, I could make fun of her looks and mm -hmm. people are going to look at her and go, she's beautiful. What are you, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And she could make fun of my looks like, Hey Earl, you have a big head or whatever. And like the crowd's going to be like, yeah, he does kind of have a big head, <laughs> you know? Yeah. His, uh, Whatever his nose is big, uh, mm -hmm. so it's. I think it's tougher always. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, when I went up against Sarah Tiana, uh, you know, if it was a guy, I would have gone more in a straight line. You are this, but mm -hmm. with, with her, she's so likable and pretty, mm -hmm. and it, it was hard to like directly attack her, mm -hmm. especially with Sarah Silverman being a judge. I'm like, mm -hmm. well, Sarah's not going to like it if I'm misogynistic mm -hmm. against her, you know. So there's definitely strength. It, I mean, for me, there is, but for you, is there, if you're going up against a girl, is there a different strategy than, say, if you're battling, a, let's just say me, a dude who you know you could probably get away with more? I've never thought about that. I battled two women. And Leah and who? Lauren Farmer. That was my first battle. Okay. Um, and honestly, if I'm battling, I'm just going for the throat. And <laughs> I will, <laughs> like, and I'll run my jokes and I'll see what works, but... I don't really try to pull any punches. Like I, I don't try to pull any punches. I'll just try to hit as hard. And I run my jokes a lot, like at mics at, at, with people. Like I'm not one of those people who just writes their jokes and maybe emails them and people give them feedback on paper and then they do them. I could never do that. But for, it's like Pat, I think Pat Barker, like the first time he tells his jokes out loud in front of an audience is when he's on that battle stage. And to me, no, he's I mean, an animal. Man. Yeah. I'll hit, I usually do about four days, four or five days of shows beforehand. Not too many. If you do too many, you kind of like lose perspective. But I'll do like four days of mics where I'll hit three mics a day or something like that. So I've probably told my jokes out loud in front of an audience 12 times by right. the time I do oh, wow. the battle. And I'll do additionally, I'll run them verbally to people at a show. I'll pull people aside. Like, hey, can I run some roast jokes right. by you? Uh, which I find is actually as valuable if not more sometimes than doing them at an actual open mic um if the person you're running them by actually knows how the battle works yeah there's yeah. an open mic crowd who might not um so yeah so i mean all told i probably said my jokes out loud probably to to someone probably 30 times by the time i got on battle stage and also uh in the order or at least the rough order that i'm going to tell them probably four or five times yeah i mean there's definitely a uh a science to preparing for this thing mm -hmm. um you know now when you write uh, like when i write i, I almost write rebuttals first so, mm -hmm. so to me i go what can they make fun of yeah and, and uh, physically because mm -hmm. there are a lot of visual jokes toby yeah. you look like mm -hmm. earl you look like uh and then i go you know family stuff do i have a wacky mm -hmm. uncle or mm -hmm. have i been molested and you know because really no stone is left unturned <laughs> i mean there's been rape jokes uh, uh 
I don't know how this show went over with middle America, <laughs> you know, given. Do you have any sort of insight into how it, uh, what the ratings were, how it played? I heard that the Road to Roast Battle show, which was like the preview trailer, did really well and mm -hmm. uh, a lot of good feedback. Uh, I guess they would know what the ratings are by now. Uh, I mean, I know this. We were the talk of the festival. Yeah. Um, I, I got that vibe because it seemed like. As the show went on, there was more energy in that room. Yeah. And the shows were like, it felt like I was at that festival and this was the show that people were talking about. I mean, I think the first night, uh, you know, which was, uh, I think I was on it. Jimmy Carr was on it. Um, you know, I think the audience, I mean, they knew what they were getting into, but it was like, oh, wow, they're really digging in deep. Yeah. Uh, especially with me and Tom. Uh, and Sarah and uh, Chris Cubis got, they were the first battle mm -hmm. and they, they didn't hold back. Yeah. Uh, and then me and Tom, you know, we took it to uh, another level personally. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I think it might have been a little uh, warming up period to go, okay, this is how they're mm -hmm. going to do it. And then the second night was amazing. Um, and then uh, I think by the third night, it was like, okay, these guys are going to hammer each other. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth night was just uh, uh, humbled and honored to be on that fourth night. Uh so that was great yeah yeah but uh you and dan nolan's a killer battle because you're both very likable but i uh, see so your opponent's uh personality play into any of your strategy like dan's super nice kind of not quiet but like uh you guys are similar personalities i think um i you know i there's some things i want to make fun of about his personality but it's hard because they're a little bit abstract. Like, for example, with Dan Nolan, and I'm still, I might write some jokes about this. I've been trying, but we'll see what I end up with. But like, um, like he takes, he's a thrill seeker, right? Like he takes a lot of dumb risks. Um, and that's part of why he was a heroin addict for a long time. Right. But it's also like throughout his life history. But something that's as abstract as Dan, you're a, such a thrill seeker. Like that's like a clunky setup. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, how do you get at that without saying that? Or how do you introduce that in a way that people aren't going to be either put off or have to process it for too long before you get to the punchline? Because you are working with such a short window of time. You know, you got 10, what, 10 seconds to make a roast joke? 15 Pretty seconds. Much. So it's like you can't exactly... Or, you know, sometimes in the setup when they ask you why you want to battle, you can throw a few a, a, a few setups in there. You know what I mean? Like, like I think with... Um, you can get in like a uh, quick jab. Well, you can get in a quick jab. But like with the other one, what was the last one I did against, uh, I think against Doug. Like, it's like, why do you want to battle Doug? And I'm like, you know, well... He's like an alcoholic who sends dick pics and he has a dead brother. So I got something to work with or something right. to that effect. I got, got a little laugh on it, but like it was mostly that I did that just because I didn't want to have to say in another setup, he has a dead brother. Right. I wanted to get those five words out before. So I had more room to play. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> this is a too long one. No, answer. please. You can never have a long winded <laughs> answer. But um, that's what I'm saying. Whereas like, Maybe it's, a, I, I don't know if it sounds cruel. Like, I like Dan. I like almost everyone I've, I've battled, I like. But I think p 
part of what makes me battle is I have to find the things about them that I don't like. The things right. that I rub me the wrong way. And there's something like that with everyone. And I think perversely, after I've done that, after I've said that on stage, I often become really good friends with the people. And right. I think part of it is maybe just like on a subliminal level, like letting go of that tension and feeling like, like, you know, when you're talking to someone and there's something that bothers you and it's hard to like immerse yourself in the conversation. But like, if you address it, that's the beauty of humor is it diffuses that tension. And so I don't know, like after I say those things, I'm like, Oh, I love this person because any microscopic things that irritated me about them have now addressed to their face, you know, and gotten a laugh and it's been fine. And I think that's like one of the great things about humor in general and specifically about Rose Battle. Well, I mean, I think you get a mutual respect for the, uh, yeah. And they've hit me back too. Yeah. So it's like your blood brothers in a way, you know? Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, with Sarah Tiana, we were looking at each other the whole time, laughing at each other. Yeah. you're a drunk you're this you're a bitch you're and it was just funny that like uh now well i won't battle people i don't like as a person Mm -hmm. will you oh yeah (laughs) that's more fun for me but i'll probably end up liking them afterwards see i won't uh i i have to respect you as a person first i mean my opinion on whether someone's funny or not is really irrelevant Mm -hmm. but uh i do kind of have to think they're funny just to yeah like for someone to shit on me, mm-hmm. I gotta really dig you. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, to me, it's just two people shitting on each other, which isn't really yeah. my thing. Yeah, I could see that. I could see like someone, like when it's someone I'm friends with and they're shitting on me. I mean, like it's almost a, such a compliment when someone gets a really good roast joke about you. Like they'll say it to my face. And it can be embarrassing, but especially if it's true, it's so flattering in a weird way. Like, I feel like that you took the time to write something that clever and now I can laugh at myself. Like, I really, you know, people think it would be really embarrassing to be up there. I mean, but I really enjoy getting made fun of almost as much as I like making fun of other people in that in, on that stage. Um, and... Also, um, yeah, I, I think the truth thing is important. Like, honestly, I don't really, the one thing I don't really enjoy, cause I just don't respect it as much, I guess, as when people tell jokes about me that aren't true. Like, what like, do you mean? Like they say, well, Toby is, well, like, uh, like, uh, like, unless it's like, like one common thing people will do, like, they'll be like. Oh, like people will be like, oh, Toby's so gay. And it's like, I'm not gay. No one thinks I'm gay. <laughs> you know, I never still, thought you were gay. You were just telling a gay joke. You know what I mean? So right. it's like, you know, I worked so hard. It, to me, it's almost like there's like this little, and it's just an emotional thing. So it's not like this thought out, but it's like, you know, I put in all this work for you and I sweated, and you're just going to tell a gay joke. You know, right. It feels like it's almost insulting just because there's no thought in it. And like when the audience laughs at it, and I'm like, but it's cheap it's cheap that's what it is it feels cheap oh yeah i mean and, you know i think sorry. oh no no I, I i agree like you know if i write jokes on you and i take the time to research you mm-hmm. and ask not necessarily your friends but ask around about mm-hmm. you it's time consuming if you do it like you're talking about 
Yeah. And then you're up there against someone who's just doing the Toby is gay because it's like mm-hmm. a generic. Yeah. Almost like he's just literally filling in the blank with your name yeah. or she. Yeah. So I get totally. it. Yeah. I mean, uh, and that doesn't happen too much anymore. I know. I think especially when you get, if you're in the rankings and you're battling people who have battled a bunch of times before, they're going to be better than that. I think uh, if you're battling people who've, battle a lot before and who are higher up in the rankings it, it definitely gets more personal yeah uh, because yeah. that's one of the things people really respond to and that's the judges love and and i think if you're a really good writer you're gonna seek that out too especially in the belly room where we all know each other yeah you know, we all know who's fucked who in the room <laughs> yeah and uh you know i think that to me the inside jokes in the belly room really play well yeah uh, well you're playing with fire like i have like one inside joke for my next battle and i'm like i know no one on periscope is gonna get it right. <laughs> you know what i mean like but i know the people who do get it are gonna love it and my question is like are there enough people who are gonna love it that makes this a killer joke or is it gonna be uh five people laughing and it you know it yeah be, uh, you know i mean there's definitely uh you know there's almost like three sets of people you're you're playing to in the belly room. You're playing to the crowd, the judges, and the Periscope crowd, and uh, the comics in the back. You yeah, can even divide the the crowd into that. So, uh, you know, three or four groups of people. So it's, you know, like, and if it's an undercard, the, the judges don't vote, so you can kind of like play with them a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like in Montreal, the judges were the votes, so mm-hmm. I I didn't. I got a few Kevin Hart jokes, maybe, and mm-hmm. David Spade jokes, and uh, Jimmy Kimmel jokes. But I was like, I need, I need his vote. I, mm-hmm. You know, I had a joke about Sarah Tiana that I wanted to tie in with Sarah Silverman, and I'm like, she doesn't like the joke. I'm fucked. But do you so. think that, like, I, I, and I feel that fear. But I feel like judges, from their perspective, I feel like it makes them look bad if they switch their vote based on someone making fun of them. Like, I feel like most. Most judges are comics and they get the roast battle and they're not going to penalize you unless it's just a bad joke. And then maybe it reflects extra poorly. But I don't know. I feel like judges are more impartial than that. But I don't know. Have you seen um, seen people? Depends who they are. Yeah. You know, like Mark Norman, who I love. Mm -hmm. He's so funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, In his battle with Tony Hinchcliffe, he kind of went after, not went after, but uh, he he played a little bit with Whoopi Goldberg before the battle. Mm -hmm. And you could tell she didn't really dig the joke. Uh Uh-huh. uh, but she, at the end of the day, uh, she voted for Mark. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I think you're right. If the joke's really funny, but if it's not, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you know, like uh, I think in my battle with Joe Dosh, I playfully went after Eddie Ift mm-hmm. and uh, he was going to vote for me. And he's like, you know what? I'll fuck you. I'm going to vote for Joe now. Uh, Kiddingly. But yeah. uh, so it's. Uh, but he still voted for him. He did. And it yeah. cost me. Uh, we ended up tying. Uh, That's so. lame. Yeah, it's all uh, good. I, I mean, mean, I feel like there's also like a lot of inconsistency with the judges. Like some judges will be like, oh, I'm going to be the wacky judge. I'll vote for you because you have weird hair or I like your shirt. Right. And I mean, I think at least in the belly room, at least the crowd will be like, fuck you. <laughs> you know, the crowd will boo that judge. But, you know, you get you do get inexperienced judges who are think they're part of the their role is not to be serious judges, but to just be wacky and uh that uh doesn't really that's i don't i don't think that's the right thing way to go yeah i mean we work hard on our jokes and yeah. you know like how long have you been writing for dan 
month. Yeah, so that's a lot of fucking work to yeah for a month for a, a basically what boils down to an eight ten minute battle. You know, you yeah. hours of work for free. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're doing it. Uh, Love of the game. Yeah, and uh, you know the the weird thing about these battles is you know they're if the, if the battle's good, uh, it's it's kind of forgotten. Like maybe five minutes after it's over, it's like. Mm. People don't even really remember who won if it's a great battle. Like, I don't remember who won between you and Doug. No, I'm, I won. But, but I mean, it was such a good battle. Yeah. And, and people remember Doug's burn on Tony Hinchcliffe, which was like voted one of the top moments of the year in the Legendary season. burn. Yeah. Yeah. People uh, remember that. Against, uh, you know, the, the Golden Pony. The Golden Pony. Which is, uh, you know... Uh, Definitely one of the top uh, moments, uh, top burns in roast battle history. Maybe the top moment. Uh, but I yeah, mean, it was of the year, it was voted. Yeah, the roasties. Go on to verbalviolence.tv to yeah. uh, check out the roasties, which is our version of the Oscars. <laughs> uh, were you up for any roasties? Uh, yeah, I won under uh, upset of the year. And who did you uh, beat? Keith Carey. Yeah, who's oh, uh, he's know. a beast. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, an amazing roaster and uh, a heavyweight in every sense of the word. <laughs> absolutely, I mean he's, uh, but he owns. You know, he's tough to battle because uh, I think the best. Uh, would you say the toughest people to battle are the ones who just own their faults? It, they're roasting faults. Um, you know, I don't really, I, I don't really think about it that way i think about it as this is my like my first battle is my battle to write the best jokes right you know and i guess different people have different little hooks that you can make fun of them for but everyone has a bunch of them like, oh absolutely you're only doing 9 10 11 jokes maybe like you know you can you can get three or four premises, three or four angles and just hammer them for a couple jokes each. And, you know, that's all you need. But people write, obviously, a lot more than that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've never really thought, oh, this person's really tough to write for. I mean, sometimes I do always get an, a bit of nervousness where I'm like, oh, none of my jokes are funny or I can't write another funny joke. I think every comic gets that. Right. But, um I don't think it's specific to the person. I think it's just in general. I'm always going to find a few angles. I'm always going to panic that I won't do it this time. And then I always write a bunch of jokes. And, you know, if I'm lucky, it goes well. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, but like, I guess like if I was going to balance, say, Ralphie May, mm -hmm. he knows fat jokes are coming. Yeah. People have rebuttal. But, you know, honestly, I think a lot of people make good use of rebuttals. I've never been a person for rebuttals. Um, because I guess a few reasons. One is I can't test them out, so I don't know how right. good they're going to be. And I can't fine-tune them the way I tune my other jokes. But do you know, like, like, uh, like rebuttals are my strength because yeah. I know where people are going to hit me. Yeah. You know, it's going to be age. Because um, I think I'm the oldest battler uh, mm. outside yeah. of Dana Snow. And uh, uh, Stephen Allen Greer. Yes, he's, uh, I guess, yeah, he's a battler of sorts. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the Kennedy thing. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I'm lucky that my weak spots are so, uh, I mean, I'm sure I have others, but, uh, yeah. 
Well, I mean, I, I have angles. And this is the other thing is you never know 100% because I've definitely had rebuttals prepared that no one used the premise. Right. Like, because I'm, I'm Jewish. So a lot of people make fun of Jew, me for being Jewish. But, you know, Doug didn't. I don't think Doug did a single joke of me being Jewish. Um, you know, I'm a former engineer. So someone might make fun of me for that, but they might not. Right. Because a lot of it is also like, even if I'm battling someone else, there might be five things I'm like, oh, I got to make fun of them for that. But if I'm writing a hundred jokes and I'm getting them down to the best 10, sometimes four of those jokes are on one premise. Right. And so there's just no room. I just, I might've written that joke, but I just, it doesn't make the cut. So, um, you know, I find that like trying to, trying to write a rebuttal for me, it's just like a gamble that I don't need to take. I would rather, um, and I don't feel like I'm penalized for not doing a rebuttal. So I feel like I would rather just invest my energy in writing jokes that I know I can use that will stand on their own and also that I can get the order down with because I find order is quite important. And if I'm doing throwing rebuttals in there, then it's changing the order of what I'm doing. You know, maybe this joke, I can't fit in in this round. I have to go in the next round, but then does that mess up for the rhythm for the next round? So right. I worry about those things and I'd rather have the control over it and not do rebuttals. But I mean, you obviously do it very effectively. And I think part of it is also maybe your stage presence because you have that dominant, you have this like invincible seeming wrestler you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah. so like when if like someone like slaps you and you slap them back you know what i mean <laughs> like that's it's just like and you, your voice goes up and you're you know booming this joke uh i think it, it it comes together for you but i think a part of the appeal of rose battle also is like you get to know yourself and your strengths and and how you do things oh and, yeah I mean, uh you know not every joke works for every person and not every style does either did you, and I don't want to rip off too much the format of the uh, interviews on verbal violence. Uh, but, oh, that's fine. Not uh, for me, at least. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I, I don't want to, but uh, like I had a joke against Jimmy Carr that I thought was my closer. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, this is the joke that's going to win me the battle. Yeah. And it literally, the room went silent. I mean, Oof. not like nothing. I mean, yeah. not even a golf uh, clap. Uh, and have you had a joke that you thought was just like a home run bomber joke? You did it and didn't do as well as you had anticipated uh a bunch of the leah ones i guess um there was one joke that got a it was like because and it was this was like one example the joke was um uh leah's autistic brother shot himself but you would too if you could draw her face from memory <laughs> um and that had been crushing in when i ran it by people and it open mics and, you know, partially maybe that's because I build it up, you know, and it's in a certain order. But when I said the setup, like, because they were against me and I'm like, Leah's autistic brother shot himself. And I hear people go, no, well, <laughs> you know, during the setup, and you're like, ah, well, it's yeah. coming. And I mean, it was one of those things where like, you know, it's uh, it wasn't a I think it was uh, maybe three quarters full room. Like the the seats were all filled, but the back wasn't. Um, and I, there was like this section that was laughing at these jokes, but then you saw other people just like staring at me with daggers in their eyes. The only other one that comes to mind, uh, and sorry if I'm double booking on jokes here, but, uh, no, with, with Pat, uh, Pat Barker, we went to overtime and I wasn't really prepared. I think I'd used an extra joke earlier in the set right. because it had sort of come across as a rebuttal. So I'd done an extra joke. And uh, 
I think my joke was uh, uh, Pat's so generic, he just got signed by Kirkland Signature or something like that. Right. And uh, it was weird because it got nothing, nothing in the crowd. But then afterwards, like, people quoted it as a joke they liked. And I think part of it, and it had worked well when I'd done it. It had not made the cut, but when I'd been trying it out, it was always a popular joke. Um, but I think it was just not the right format for, for like a, when it, cause like when you're doing overtime, you got to bring a haymaker oh, yeah. and that's like a first round joke. That's like a kind of like a, that's a jab. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. you got to at least swing for the fences. You can't just try to hit a chip single in overtime. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, but I, I mean, I think when I do a battle, I don't anticipate it going to overtime. I think I'm going to win. Mm. So you, I blow out my best jokes in the regular battle. Uh-huh. Uh, is that, do you save a joke? Like, even though it's, it's like, Hey, I know this is a great joke, but I, I got to have a bomber for overtime. If it gets to overtime. Uh, you know, I mean, I think just as a product of like really working over my jokes into the ground and now I feel like I'm jinxing myself and I'm no, 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 not no. going to work hard enough, but like, uh, usually when I've, if I've run out of the jokes at, you know, 10, 12 mics and by a lot of people, right? I get the sense where these are the jokes that are absolutely in. And then there's a couple jokes on the fence and stylistically I go for one that is about like a, a darker topic right? or yeah, just a darker, meaner joke or something like that, like a bruiser rather than something that's maybe just a little bit clever. Um, and that's similar to like my opening joke I find is very important because that can really set the tone. So my opening joke, I always try to find something that's very concise and uh, accessible. I don't want to have to, people have to think like against Doug. Uh, my opening joke was um, Doug's Christian, but he mostly preys on women, you know, <laughs> which is just like tight, concise. Everyone's going to get it, gets a laugh, gets the ball rolling. If I do a joke that would might be a closer, it might be a lot longer setup with a bigger punch in the end. But if people don't trust me yet, it might not work as an opener. Right. I mean, it's, it's that's what I love about this show is there's so many moving strategical parts to it like mm-hmm. you have to have that opener's key the closer's key mm-hmm. uh, a little room to play with in the middle mm-hmm. uh, and do you make allowances for like the wave and like the haters like do you anticipate okay uh you know the wave might jump up on this joke so you know uh, does that mess with your uh, cadence or timing like all the other moving parts on the show during the battle uh, I guess I don't really plan for it, honestly. And I wish I, I'm hoping to get more comfortable with this, but like one of the things that terrifies me is that I'll forget a joke. Right. Um, so like usually what's going on is I tell a joke and then I immediately think, what's my next joke? What's my next right, joke? Right, what's right. my next joke? All right. What's the wording? What's the wording? What's the wording? Okay. And I'm like, I like cling to it. Cause I'm just so afraid of that thought going away and I blank. Um, that like, while the judges are talking, while the wave is on stage, most of the time I'm just thinking about my next joke. Right. Um, 
but I wish I was, I would like to be more in the moment so I can interact with them. And the other thing is I am also a little bit afraid of is I would like to occasionally like do like a two part joke where you like have the joke and then a topper. Right. But then if the wave goes on, like I'm like, do I still do the second joke or am I going to mess this up by, cause you see that sometimes people get a big reaction. They try to top it and it falls flat because the timing's off or, or it just, it wasn't as good as they thought it was. So I'm, you know, and one of the rules of comedy, I think in general is like when you get the big closer laugh, just get off stage. Like, you know, not everyone says that, but like, don't, you know, if you get the light, you got a minute left and you tell a joke that gets a huge round of applause, just leave on that. Like, don't try to do one extra joke and risk throwing that away. Well, I think there's always that, especially with roast battle. Uh, it's like the junkie fix. You want that. You want it. And you, you spent time working on it. You love the joke. You want to get it out there. You want that. Uh, you said, well, if that got a big laugh, maybe this next one will get an even bigger laugh. Totally. Yeah. That's totally true, too. <laughs> and it You'll never know unless you say it. Usually it doesn't. And then the effectiveness of the first laugh is almost di- diminished a little bit. But yeah. uh, now before we go, let's talk a little bit about your stand up. Like, do well do you have a when you first started roasting did you have an influence like like greg Giraldo? a lot of people uh cite greg Giraldo and and how he was on the comedy central roast like just balls to the wall did, did you not copy but like did you have a roasting um like mentor if you will uh i don't think there was one person that particularly stands out to me as a roaster that i really looked up to i mean i i definitely really admired jesselnick jeff ross um david tell those guys i I always admire them as joke writers not just as as roast writers um but i also think that part of uh, my roast origin story is just being at a lunch table you know like when my buddies in high school and always busting balls or and this is like how i think i got partially i'd always loved comedy my whole life but i also would always be thinking oh what should i have said what would be the the perfect comeback and i mean that's just mental exercise that i think you get in gets in that mindset and i feel like i still i mean i'm sure any of the jokes i would have thought of then i would shudder to think of now but like uh i think that was sort of the first thing that got me in the in the mindset and also i mean i do remember in high school watching those friar clubs roast and comedy oh. central like that was an event that was something i look forward to you know we got to get friends together and we got to watch that because it's going to be hilarious so uh you know i think the combined influences of all the people on that on those days has probably seeped into oh, sure. how i conceive of roasting i mean i love the dean martin roast just because <laughs> yeah. uh, i find that those were a little more done out of love like Mm -hmm. you know foster brooks can rip into sammy davis because they loved each other Mm -hmm. whereas some of the roasts today it's a little more uh not shitting on someone but like it's a little more like hey i don't really know this guy or girl but i'm gonna well i mean a lot of them are celebrity roasts now comedy central like comedy central started hiring the friars cups roasts and it'll be like rob reiner or something who was like obviously beloved but isn't like a big celebrity in the same way that like Justin Bieber or Donald right. Trump or something like that is where you know that none of the cele- none of the people have met them before, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, Sarah Silverman 
or hung out with Donald Trump, <laughs> you know, no, before he started roasting. So it's like it's it is more of like both like a way to take them down a peg and also, you know, a little bit selfishly to make their star raise your profile you know what i mean oh sure I mean, which is i, I mean I, I still love them you know but i still love those roasts i think they're hilarious but um yeah i mean it's a, you're right it doesn't have the same basis in love and friendship that it, it did yeah i mean uh but i did like the justin bieber roast when hannibal burris was uh Oh hey, yeah, man, I don't know you. I'm just here because it's gonna help me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was honest that it was hilarious. I don't like your music. I don't listen to it. I just know it's gonna help me. <laughs> yeah. But at least like with Dalia and Bieber, they know each other, so it's yeah. a little more okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just those older, uh, you could just see the love. Mm-hmm. Like, they could basically call Sammy Davis the N word to his face. Really? Uh, well, yeah, I watch mean, this it, again. They, uh, you know, I think Don Rickles would look at him and say something to the effect of either you're black or you fell into a bucket of M&Ms, uh, <laughs> you know, and then Sammy Davis hugged him and uh, Don Rickles was like, wow, I think I just got some shoe polish on me. <laughs> I mean, that's basically saying, you know, hey, this, uh, you know, so-and-so just hugged me. and uh, But it was like... I don't think Sammy Davis probably got offended one bit. It's like, mm. I love this guy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, the racial zangers, man, were. Uh, I gotta watch those again. Oh, my God. The Don Rickles ones where he's roasting Wilt Chamberlain and like Nipsey Russell and like. <laughs> Wilt Chamberlain? I'm surprised that would be, they would be friends, you know? Maybe. Yeah. But it's just like, there was some pretty, uh, given that this was a, probably the early 70s and. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the things that Don Rickles got away with were just like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. Probably seemed tame by today's standards. Well, sometimes not, though. I mean, like, I got some shoe polish on me. Like, that's, like, still sharp. And that I think that could work in the belly room, but also, like, would probably not be able to be aired on network television. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Maybe Comedy Central at midnight, but even then, like, that's pretty risque. Then there was the uh, Foster Brooks roast. To me, the the best five minute roast set ever was Foster Brooks roasting Don Rickles, and he's just talking about fucking his wife and yeah. you know all this like <laughs> just like pretty dark matter. Uh, of course, he was doing it in that drunk character, yeah. so it kind of softened the blow. But uh, like, uh, the next roast is Rob Lowe, so that should be interesting. Yeah. Because uh, I'm sure they'll get his friends. And I mean, Rob Lowe's pretty well loved. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be an interesting. I think it's, uh, I want to say August 27th. But, uh, oh, is it? Yeah. It's, I didn't uh, realize it was it, that close. It's coming up. Uh, or Labor Day. Uh, I guess it would make sense to have it on Labor Day. It's a bigger. Because uh, I think they just started writing for it, which is like, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, I always just think of TV as so planned. You know, I still have that sitcom mentality with it. Right have the episodes in the can and then they air it, you know, um, months so, later, but yeah. Yeah. That cool. should be, uh, I mean, he's kind of a universal figure and, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. I'm not sure if the lineup's finalized yet, but I know they are writing for it. So yeah. I think a lot of people who were involved with roast battle are helping. So, mm-hmm. um, watch comedy central for that guys. Yeah. Uh, now for your comedy, did you, um, what, 
like did you have an influence or like when you first started out like Stephen Wright was mine just because oh I, interesting I loved his just beyond monotone yeah I loved Stephen Wright um you know when I first started out I think it really changed over the years uh when I first started out it was like Mitch Hedberg probably was my biggest influence and I was doing trying to do like surreal you know fanciful jokes and I just wanted the pure joke. I was like what I was into. Misdirections, like, you know, Emo Phillips or like, you know, uh, Stephen Wright. But I also liked like Chris Rock a lot. Right. And it was like when I was starting out, and especially because I started out gradually, like I was in college, I was one of those once a month. We had like a campus show and I performed. So it wasn't like I was performing every night, but I would just, you, you almost fall in love with uh, this comic or that comic and you really want to be them. So you start writing like them. You know, but um, that influence seems to change so many times. You know, Seinfeld is big influence. Uh, you know, I think like now I've become uh, more of a political comic over right. the years. So like, I mean, John Stewart, uh, Adam Carolla actually I think is underrated as a political comic. Um, Jim Jeffries I like a lot. Uh, Eddie Izzard. Um, but like when I was starting out, yeah. I think Hedberg, Chris Rock, Seinfeld, maybe Stephen Wright were probably some of my biggest influences, but my style's changed a lot since then. Yeah. In what way do you find like the more, is it, do you think your style changed because you got more comfortable on stage? And you, like Adam Sandler once told me uh, it took him like eight years to feel comfortable with his style it's still i don't really feel comfortable on stage like some shows i do some shows i get into it and i like the crowd and i feel relaxed and i love it when that happens but a lot of shows i feel stressed out i feel nervous i don't want to disappoint people i don't want to embarrass myself you know you would think those would go away a lot quicker part of it is like if i'm if i've been doing a lot of shows that fades you know you do the than the Edinburgh Festival where it's 30 days of just nonstop round the clock comedy, like doing, you know, some, some nights, eight, 10 shows in a day, starting at 11 and going till 1am. And so that at the end of the day, you just, you, you it's like, you're taking a bath, you know, you're just, right. it's just like, it's nothing, you know, but then, you know, after a couple of weeks of not doing it or well, maybe just not doing it that often, a couple shows a week or something like that. That sort of anxiety does come back a little bit. Um, I think the biggest difference is that I've known what I want to write jokes about, what I care about talking about, the kind of jokes I write, and the confidence to tackle the things I want to talk about and know that I can get laughs with doing right. that. Um, yeah, I mean, like when I was starting out, I would just do like silly misdirections. That were like, oh, um, give uh, us an example. God, ugh, it, it makes me cringe to think of like my first jokes. Um, but no, uh, I got, I got. Uh, this is like, uh, you know, I i had a stressful week i got into an accident what is this really old person you know those old people they're just so bad at walking you know like that i know <laughs> that's circa 2002 
No, there's uh but like that sort of miss it was like misdirection clearly never happened. There's no thought behind that joke. Just trying to get that laugh. Um and now all of my jokes I'm telling them because I have a point. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you know, you definitely evolve. I mean, my first joke on stage at the comedy store was literally I went to the hustler store, bought a dildo mm-hmm. and stuffed it in my pants and yeah, people ask me all the time what kind of personality I have. I just tell them I'm a big dick, and I whipped out the dildo. <laughs> and I, you know, you, at the time, I was very probably months into comedy and thought, "Wow, this is gonna kill." Yeah, and it did. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, it probably. Well, I mean, it's such a surprise. The best reaction I've ever gotten to a joke, and now, really, sixteen years later, huh? It's like, wow, that was pretty bad. So. uh I think the best reaction I might have, I don't know, because you, you, I feel like you probably inflate things in your mind, but I think possibly the biggest laugh I ever got on stage was um, I did this bit where I wrote all of my jokes on pieces of paper and I... um put them in a bag right you know and then i'm like uh i was listening to the radio and they were saying we're putting our playlist on shuffle because music sounds better when you don't know what's coming next uh you know i thought the dj's job was to put together songs in a sequence so it sounded better you know but maybe they're right maybe maybe my jokes would be better if you didn't know what was coming next so what i've done is i've written all my jokes in a piece of paper and i'm gonna have an audience member pull them out and say the jokes and then i'll say the jokes and uh, so I show this bag to this girl and she puts her hands in and then she goes, ah, and I'm like, oh, whoops, that's macaroni salad. <laughs> and it was just a bag full of macaroni salad. Right. And the audience probably laughed for 30 straight seconds, <laughs> or at least that's how I remembered it in my mind. Like I could not follow it at right. all with anything else, but just like everything, that stupid bit and her reaction, everything had come together that like, it was just like pandemonium and it's so stupid to think of now, but like. <laughs> you know that's that's where i came from it is funny how you evolve and yeah your styles you know i used to be really dirty because I, mm-hmm. I was big and still am a big dice clay and kennison fan mm-hmm. and just wasn't me at the end of the day and, mm-hmm. and i would try as best i could to be like steven wright or hedberg like mm-hmm. and i'm definitely not in their category mm-hmm. uh so and here i am here we are today in 2016 mm-hmm like uh so what is next for you out after your roast battle with dan Mm -hmm. and your uh who's the one in temecula uh nat bimel after those two battles you're gonna concentrate a little more on stand-up or no i've got two more coming up after that jesus christ i know i'm uh david deary um battling uh he's a really interesting guy i've just gotten to know him more but did comedy in europe for many years i didn't realize that i knew he lived there i didn't realize he had started over there. Well, I I don't know if he did comedy in Europe for many years, but he was in Europe for many years and then he started comedy there and was like working as a comic and did right. Edinburgh Festival a couple of years and stuff like that. Um, so for a little while at least he was there uh, and doing big things. But he's come over here now and he's made a name for himself as just being really fun oh, yeah. on the roast battles. And so I'm looking forward to uh, battling him. And when is that battle? Uh, I think it's in September. I don't know the date. 
And then I'm also going to battle, uh, whatchamacallit, April Lotshaw in Temecula. Oh, she's good. Yeah, she is good. Um, and it's cool to have the Temecula show as well because, you know, I can't battle everyone I want to at the comedy store. And also there's the weird dynamic of the rankings, you know? Right. Because, like, if I have a friend who's unranked, it would be fun to battle them. But at the same time, A, it's a month of work. And B, if I win, I don't win anything. And if I lose, then I look like an idiot because I lost to an unranked person. Oh, yeah. I mean, the top 10, uh... You know what I mean? So maybe it hurts my ranking. Not that that should really matter. But, well, but Temecula you... gives a, a nice option because, oh, we can, we can battle. We'll just doing this fun show in Temecula instead of doing the belly room. I mean, we're all competitive though. I mean, yeah, you're right. The rankings probably shouldn't matter, but you know, you I think you look at them and you know, I don't want to battle this person. Cause if I, like you said, if you beat them, nothing really happens. So what's yeah. the point of putting in the work? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's also, I mean, it's not just something like where we're going up and having fun. It's like, this is something that I'm going to write for, for, hours over the course of a month and yeah worry so, about and stress about so it's not really an equal playing field if one person has everything to gain and, right you know, oh i definitely uh, agree with that like which is like sometimes it's hard like people in the top 20 i think only want to battle each other mm -hmm. because you know if number 17 beats number eight or whatever it's there's something to gain and even if number eight loses there's not that much to lose because you know the hey this person's really good yeah. But, uh, you know, if you lose to someone, say, 48th, mm -hmm. it's like, wow. You're gonna, yeah. you're... <laughs> Maybe you're overrated, you know? Yeah. And then... I mean, it, and the rankings are, to be fair, they do also take into account how you do, you know? I mean, they're like, you can, even David Deary, he's lost a bunch. I think his record's like one in three or something, but he's done so well in those battles that he's in the top 30 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And then there's, I think, Pete C., yeah. Who uh he's probably the best definitely the best battler with a losing record. Mm -hmm. uh, cuz he only takes on the best. Like yeah. Saratiana and and uh, a lot of people in the top 10 and, and he's dangerous cuz he's not a stand up. So he doesn't give a shit about the respect of the peers in the room. Interesting. Cuz they aren't his peers. <laughs> he's <laughs> What does he do? How did he get into it if he doesn't do stuff? Um he's a really funny uh tweeter. Uh -huh. and he's, he's a really funny guy. He uh -huh. should be a comic, mm -hmm. uh, but he he's like a store staple of uh, just a an associate. I, uh -huh. I guess you'd call him. Interesting. And uh, he's so like you know when I go up in front of you at Rosebell, I want to impress you because she's like you know you're my peer and mm -hmm. you know uh, you always you know want people to think you're funny or whatever. And uh, but with Pete, it's like hey, I'm. I'm just going to go up here, and if Earl or Toby don't think I'm funny, fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's he's a real wild card. Oh, uh, but he hasn't battled in a while. He's Yeah, I've seen him up there. Um, so where, this is the part of the show, Toby, where you get to lob onto my legion of fans. Uh, <laughs> where can people find you on, say, Twitter? On Twitter, it's at Toby Morishanu. That is T-O-B-Y-M-U-R-E-S, as in Sam, I-A-N-U. If you can't remember that, uh, you can go to tobythecomic.com. That's T-O-B-Y, thecomic.com. And uh, that is links to all my social media stuff. And where, uh, so we got three battles coming up, uh, four battles coming up, uh, two in Temecula, two in Roast Battle. Any uh, stand-up gigs you want to, uh, you know, have people come out to see at? Um, 
nothing particular springs to mind, but I do run a show. Um, we don't have another one scheduled right now. My, uh, my co-producer is traveling at the moment, but we will all have some soon. So, and we also have a live pot. We release the shows as a podcast. So you can subscribe now if you want to listen to them. And what's that called? It's the unsafe space show. Uh, so unsafe space show.com at unsafe space show on all social media, or you can just search iTunes for unsafe space show and, uh, you'll find it. It's, um, basically comedians do stand up on controversial topics and then there's a response from experts who work in the field and a discussion with the audience. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's like uh, 20 minutes of stand up up front on these like kind of hot button issues. And then it's, uh, just a really good discussion. Well, check that out, guys and girls. Uh, Toby's one of the good ones in uh, <laughs> L.A. comedy. He's super funny dude. Great roaster. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's good at both. You know, some people are you know good at one, not yeah, so good yeah. at the other. Well, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you for coming. And sorry it took so long to uh, get this uh, done. No problem, no problem. My pleasure. Daddy is back to not working this week, so we. <laughs> Could have pretty much done it any day he wanted. But uh, follow Toby. He's a super funny dude. And, uh, uh, you know, support him. It's one of the things I like doing about this show is getting people like Toby into your uh, world. There's a lot of funny comics out there. So, uh, and you know who I am. Inappropriate Earl. SoundCloud and iTunes. Leave a review. And uh, let's let's start tweeting at Gene Simmons again. Get him back in the fold to uh, discuss the various things happening in the world of kiss and uh let's get rat let's get all three surviving members of rat on this couch at one time <laughs> to really break down uh the controversy in the rat world that'll mm -hmm. get me about two views <laughs> uh, so guys thank you very much uh toby's the best we'll You're be back best. uh back for more as rat would say next week with uh another guest who is undetermined at this time see ya